Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Dive Living Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Softleet Die Living Podcast, brought to you by Softleet. This week we have John Dill visiting us again, because uh, the last recording we did with him last week didn't quite make it. One day there will be onto a, the computer. a booming black market in Softleet Die Living Podcast, the lost recordings. Right. <laughs> Somewhere in the ether. But uh, John, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Uh, so I don't fuck it up, but okay. thanks again for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a blast last time, so that works out well. So, yeah, I was uh, John Dill, owner of CrossFit Suespante. Um, it's a CrossFit gym. We have a location in South Point, Durham, and one in North Raleigh. I've uh, been doing that for over five years now, and uh, the name comes from uh, my time in the 75th Ranger Regiment with the 2nd Ranger Battalion out of Fort Lewis. So, um, yeah. Freak, freak flag rangers. Yeah, weirdos yeah. out there. <laughs> what what hey. is suespante? So it's Latin for of their own accord, um, and you know the, it, it kind of kind of worked two ways. In that, you know, with the kind of marketing we do, we don't really do marketing. So we're looking for the kind of individuals that, regardless of what kind of shape they're in, that they're they're looking for the change, right? And then uh, the other the other thought behind that was, I wanted a name that would would leave me no room for failure, right? So it was more than just my success. If I put that name on it. You know, my time out there, you know, I felt like a, a mere mortal amongst giants with the men that I served with out there and giving it that name. It's like, okay, well, we will be excellent. We will be the best. The name, I like it, man. Name re- leaves no room for anything less, right? Yeah, so, one path forward. And it's to, it's true, man. It's like, you know, those days you don't want to get up and go do some shit. It's like, well, I'm not letting that, that name go through the mud, so get the fuck up and let's keep moving, you know? So. I feel I feel as though our listeners need to see a picture of John Dill <laughs> to grasp when John's like, oh, I was surrounded by, I was a mere mortal amongst giants. Like, oh, really? Because John's traps have traps. <laughs> and he currently has a mullet hawk. And yes. like, he's one of the most good-natured dudes I've ever met in my life. Uh, however, the level of intensity, like... There was a shift in the room just now when John started to talk about Suze Monte and like everybody was like, Oh, dude, the intensity just pops in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. it though. Yeah. So John, if you could take us back to the beginning, um, maybe talk a little bit about your time in the military. Um, maybe like why you joined the military. Sure. Um, you know, why you went to the regiment. Uh, and then, you know, how you, how you found fitness at at least the level that you're at right now, um, and CrossFit and, you know, well, tell us more about your path. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to. So, uh, I went to college at UNC Chapel Hill, uh, right here down the road from, from Durham. Um, uh, I got a BS in biology. Uh, had nothing to do with the military, no ROTC or anything like that. Um, 9-11 happened my senior year, I believe. And that, that left a big impact on me, you know, like a, I think a lot of guys that kind of served in that, that time frame. Uh, so at the time, the plan was still to go to med school, uh, and, and I kind of carried through with that, even though in the back of my head it was, uh, like I said, that 9-11 had that impact and did pretty well in the MCAT. Uh, spent a year um, working for my uncle down at the coast, the family marina, and um, finally got my shit together and went through, started going through the application process for med school, volunteering as an EMT, et cetera. And got all the way to the, in, to the point where through the interviews and all that, um, 
and was right on the cusp of getting in. And they said, hey, man, your GPA just isn't quite good enough. It's like a 3.3. We'd like to see like a 3.6. You know, how about going and doing a master's program, you know, some kind of accelerated program and bringing your GPA up. And I was like, okay, cool. This is a meeting with the dean of admissions at uh, East Carolina, the primary care. I wanted to just be like a small town doctor kind of deal. And uh, dude, I said, yeah, you know, what, what kind of degree would you like to see? What would be helpful in my career as a doctor? Said, oh, it doesn't matter. Just any degree. I'm like, fuck me, man. That's two more years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be 40 before I ever get to school. I mean, on a maybe, right? On a maybe, you know, <clears> trapped <throat> in a trapped in either a lab or a classroom or a library that whole time just studying. And I started really thinking about, am I doing this because I, I really want to be a doctor and helping people? Or am I doing this to prove that John Dill is smart enough to be a fucking doctor? Right. right. And uh, that same day, I was driving home from East Carolina. I was like, "Nah, fuck that, man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go in the military. No, no family background. No idea what I was doing. I grew up working construction for. Uh, nah, man. Not, not smart enough to be a doctor. Not but, smart. Not but quite definitely smart. dumb enough to be a ranger. Yeah. <laughs> so I grew, I grew up. I grew up working construction for a, a Navy SEAL in, in, in Raleigh. You know, typical construction type dude. And he's a big influence. And he was. He's like, yeah, man, do it. So he's like, just don't let the recruiters fucking lie to you, right? Like, don't sign shit unless it's exactly what you want. That was like the extent of my guidance. For, for recruit. So I go in the recruiting office. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I want to go in the army. And like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to be a special forces ranger. And they're like, that's not a, <laughs> hell that's yeah, not, that's not a job. <laughs> that's not a thing, man. Like you can't, you know, it's some, some, you know, Pat clerk or something. He's like looking at me. He's like, okay, well, you know, what's your highest level, level of education? I was like, I got my shit. He's like, yeah. what, your GED? I was like, no, nah, man, I got my degree. He's like, oh, how much money do you owe? I was like, I, I don't know any money, you know? He's like, well, you know we're at war, right? And I'm like, why the fuck else would I be here? And he's like, well, you don't want us to pay off any loans? And you know, you're, you're like, you want to go to war? I'm like, yes. Is this a trick question? He's like, all right, man. Well, you, special forces ranger isn't a thing. He's like, have a seat. I was like, I'm not sitting down. <laughs> he's like, what? He's like, I'm not, I'm not sitting down. He's like, why? He's like, I feel like if I sit down, it'll be easier to trick me, and you're not going to trick me. <laughs> so I refuse to sit down. Now there's like a crowd around the recruiting desk, and they're like what's going on with this guy? He's like, he wants to be a fucking special forces ranger. And I'm trying to explain, I'm like, no, I'm not signing shit until it says special forces ranger. <laughs> <laughs> so they finally bring out an infantry dude from the back. He comes out, he takes one look at me, just starts laughing. He's like, come here, man, let's talk. And we, you know, we hit it off right off the bat and had a good conversation and explained the difference. And, um, yeah, so got, got involved there. They were like, man, I had no idea the difference between enlisted officer. Like, well, I was like, can you, you know, you got your, you got your college degree. You, you didn't have to, you know, we don't have to pay off any of your loans. You can go to OCS and, and become an officer. And I said, oh, well, what does that mean? Like, can I still be a ranger? And they're like, yeah, you'll just get paid more. I'm, like, well, I'm not against money. Right. I'm not communist, right? So I signed up for that. I had no idea what I was really getting myself into or the fact that, you know, I'd, um, that I didn't really realize it. So, you know, as an officer, I had to spend my first, my first bit of time outside of ranger school um, in a regular unit or a regular infantry unit. So it was the second of the 504th, the 82nd Airborne. Um, but that was after a seven month stint in the, uh, the Benning school for boys known as Ranger school. Oh man. So yeah, That's paid my dues there, man. You know, learned to keep my mouth shut, learned that it's, doesn't pay to laugh at your RI when he has a lisp and you're second, <laughs> he's yelling at you and you're a second lieutenant, right? That's a, that's a whole nother story that could literally fill up a podcast. It'd be John Dill's exploits in Ranger school. <laughs> Fuck man, lessons do, the do hard you, way. Do you oh think I'm God. funny, Ranger? Oh, you think I'm funny, Ranger? Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. That is hilarious. <laughs> that is not the right answer. Yeah. Four times through Darby, it wasn't. It was no longer funny. Wow. And same, <laughs> same so funny. Same dude was like, "Oh, are you ready to leave now?" Like, yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> man. Look at me. I'm sorry. So you know, fast forward. To My name the, is Reek. 
Yeah. <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> Only yeah. nerds are going to get oh, that. Man. There are no nerds that listen to our podcast. I get it. It's I true. get it. All right. Um, so, you know, fast forward, did, did my first <clears throat> stint at the 82nd, uh, airborne, uh, the good old 80 Deuce, and uh, the second and 504th, and um, we did a deployment to Iraq and had a chance to go to Ranger Battalion before we deployed. So, hey, you know, you're, we're going to switch you out at some point in deployment. You can, you can go to rope. But at that point, I've been training up with my guys, me and my platoon sergeant. Uh, really hit it off, man. He's a great dude. We keep up to this day. You know, I think I, I probably learned more in the Army from, from him as far as being a, a butter bar fresh out of Ranger School. And that first platoon sergeant, man, he was, a, he was a psych, one of those psychopaths, but psycho in a good way and just refused to let me fail. And uh, anyway, you know, after training up with him for a year, my guys, uh, you know, the uh, BC Battalion Commander was like, hey, you know, before we deploy, would you rather go to rope? And which was the goal the whole time. I was like, you know, the other two, he offered it to the top three PLs, and the other two dudes were like, yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, I need the weekend to think about it. So I came home here to Raleigh. I was born and raised here in Raleigh. Came home and got shit faced with some buddies and just started laughing. I was like, I can't fucking. I pictured showing up on Monday and being like, hey, Sergeant Dean, it's been a fun year training, training our boys up, getting ready to go to Iraq. Like, I'm out. It's like, I'm not doing that. So I stuck around for the, for the, the deployment and um, had no idea. But six months into it, they, they had to switch me out. And they're like, hey, would you like to go back to Rope now? So I ended up paying off. Went back midway through the deployment, went to rope, went out to second ranger bat, and that's when I started doing CrossFit. Was on my, my second second deployment with a uh, second bat was in Afghanistan, working with some of the uh, some of the other dudes, and uh, they were all in. some of the other dudes almost almost slipped there, but some people, of get, people will get that on the podcast. John, you're not you're not accountable to anybody. Like you can yeah, talk you know, about they some said other 25 dudes. years, man. They said 25 years. years. I signed that shit. Apparently, no one else gives a fuck about what they signed. But. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know who you're talking about, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, started doing CrossFit with some of those guys, and when I say CrossFit, we'd watch some stuff on the share drive, go add a, a min, immense amounts of weight to the workout, and do it like 10 times as slow. We're like, yeah, we're doing this shit. Yeah, RX Plus is a thing, right? Yeah, you can just go slower and get more jacked. So, it's. I assume that after years of running a gym and being competitive, you now have a different philosophy on said. Oh yeah, activities. The, the philosophy has completely evolved. You know, um, so you know, and, and it started when I got out. Uh, I got a contract contract job with the as a civilian contractor through the Department of Defense, doing some stuff in the Pentagon. Very ambiguous office work, PowerPoint Ranger type shit. And um, that's when I, one of my Marine buddies up in the DC area pulled me into what was a gym called Outlaw CrossFit. I was like, hey, come do this. And I was like, I'll use this shit for my cardio. It's kind of gay, though. You know? <laughs> and just went in there and got my ass just handed to me by the soccer moms and everybody else, like doing more pull-ups. Not necessarily lifting more weight, you know what I mean? But just more fit. They, more got, a, well they got a better motor, man. Yeah, just burying me, even on the body weight stuff. Buried me. Becky Comsman, shout out to Beck. You know, she ended up being a games athlete, but at the time she was getting involved in CrossFit, you know. A cute little soccer mom and she was just just, just destroyed me man it was eye-opening so that's when i really got into the instruction and started paying attention to quality of movement and like man there's there's more to this than just lifting a bunch of weight no matter how you can get it done and so it evolved from there and uh, was uh, a regional athlete there with outlaw both individual and on a team and then after two years there moved home said I couldn't couldn't handle the office work anymore couldn't handle the fact that i'm stuck in a cubicle and you know my buddies are still deploying and getting killed and I'm, living living you your know. two hours of gym time a day yeah, dude. it was it was like it was a, it was a ts skiff and all that we type in and i, I had to start using the back door because so for whatever so for like 
you just use letters that no one's going to understand. Yeah. So John's essentially telling you that he was privy to some very secretive information in a locked concrete room right. that he could only access by like putting his thumbprint and another yeah. man's thumbprint on the card at the same time. Exactly. Right. So this whole, this whole pretense that like some really important shit's about to go down in here. And then we sat in cubicles and did fucking nothing. It's like the five sided maze, man. And I had to start using the other, the other, the, the secondary entrance to the skiff because when you walked in the front one, you know, you enter, there's a picture, picture of Uncle Sam right when you walked in, poster frame, pointing at it, said, there's a war going on. What are you doing to help? And I was like, I'm fucking doing nothing. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you know? Every day. I like throw up in my mouth, trying, just trying to walk by it. You know? <laughs> you know? Dude, so. I worked with a guy at a, at a USASOC job who, like, I swear to God, he's like one of the most hard charging dudes I've ever met. He, when he talks about his time working in a skiff, he's like, bro, I've, I've never been more stressed in my life. He's like, that job gave me shingles. <laughs> and I'm like, how can you, like, you've deployed like five times. He's like, dude, it's just, it's the worst thing. It's purgatory, a, man. And, yeah, it's purgatory. Yeah. It really is. And you're surrounded by a bunch of, you know, cubicle dwellers and they're perfectly happy, man. They're like, man, one more year and I get a one and a half more days of vacation. And, I'm a step three after, yeah. after next year. It was bad, man. You know? And, uh, Finally, after two years of that, I was like, nah, man, I'm making moves. I, I, I took a gig doing some anti-piracy stuff off the coast of Africa, you know, when that was, all that stuff was still going down. There's still good money in that. And, Did you uh, ever travel on the Maersk, Alabama? No. No, I didn't, we didn't see a single pirate. <laughs> <laughs> so well, it was like 30-day hooks of the most boring seaborne? Yeah, it was about, yeah, it was like four or five weeks, man. We went, we, the most interesting part, right, was um, making it to the port with all the rifles, with the, the assault rifles and the comms equipment. I literally thought we were going to, African jail more than <laughs> once, right? Cause you're just over there, blue passport, you know, yep. flapping in the wind. And it was me and an ex seal dude and two coast guard, like drug interdiction dudes. And, um, me and the seal land in, in Kenya. No, Ethiopia is where we first landed. And we've been traveling for like, I don't know, something retarded, like 30 hours straight just to get to that point. I'm like, dude, I got to piss me too. Only white dudes in the whole airport. There's prayer rooms right beside the bathroom. They're in there praying. So we walk in and there's this little like two man trough. So all right, we shoulder to shoulder, we start pissing at it. And, <laughs> oh no, this story. Yeah. This. And I can I can feel these the hate of the, these these uh, Muslim dudes behind us just I can we can feel it burning <laughs> into the back of my head. I'm like what the fuck? I'm dying and I'm right pissing, now. And I look down and there's a bar of soap and a spigot in the trough. I'm like when mm, I look up and it's like oh mm. no. I'm like hit the hit the dude like yeah, we're pissing in their ceremonial foot washing station right beside the the prayer room. Like two hours in country already causing like inter- international <laughs> incident. You I, know? I, want, I want to highlight that X Ranger and Seal fight, fight say, their way out of the bathroom. You know? Not a Green Beret move. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> Other cultures? What? What do you mean? I don't yeah. understand. So, oh my god. But uh, but yeah, and then uh, but other than that, man, it, you know, it was pretty uneventful. Um, once we got on the ship, but, but yeah, I just, I remember having that conversation when I was on the way out of the Pentagon, these dudes were, I was like, man, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm going doing this anti-pirate stuff. And the dudes I work with were like, you're, you're going to, you're going to leave this job to go fight pirates. I was like, Oh God, it even sounds so much better when you say it, <laughs> <laughs> say that shit again. That, you know, they, they think you're crazy. I think I'm like, I think you guys are just as crazy for sitting in here under these lights in this cubicle for the next, you know, your whole life, you know, do, and I'm sure people were doing really meaningful stuff in there. And yeah, like, cool, like, like losing vitamin D. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't a part of it, you know, which is cool for about two weeks. And then you're like, man, this is so anyway, fast forward, you know, took the knowledge and the experience I had coaching and being a partner at the gym there and, and at Outlaw and um, moved back down to Raleigh and opened up my own spot and well, right where 
I grew up in North Raleigh about five, just over five years ago. And it's been great, man. It's been a very humbling, challenging experience, but it's, it's been awesome. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I know that uh, a lot of guys, the, the CrossFit conundrum, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's funny because, like, when we first – like, I met John – when I was managing a CrossFit facility down in Pinehurst and uh, John came down like friend of the gym for our grand opening. And uh, John's, John's a really impressive dude and super down to earth, super nice. And uh, he just shows up for this, you know, grand opening and just cold after not having deadlift deadlifted for like uh, you know, a, what, two years, John? Two years, yeah. Yeah. He just pulls 600. I mean, it, it got, it got a little heated between him and Dan Skidmore. Yeah. So like, there's a reason that Adre- he... adrenaline's a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> but like I remember, I, I was super impressed with John. Not just because he's a physical, you know, specimen, but because John is like, he is a consummate professional and very outgoing and warm. So like, it's easy to talk to John, even though he's a scary looking son of a bitch, right? So when we were looking for a place for Softly to do some like photo shoots and PR stuff here in the, the Raleigh Durham area. I was like, man, I'm gonna reach out to John Dill. Like, hopefully he'll be okay with doing some work with us. And I called John. I'm like, hey man, do you mind if we do a photo shoot at your gym? John was like, ah, well, uh, he's not gonna talk shit about CrossFit, is it? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, no, man. Like, I get it. Like, I think a lot of people that do softly programming have a really negative opinion about CrossFit mm-hmm. because of like personal experiences, and so they've come to the CrossFit like. They've left the path as they, they think, you know, they're like, right. they're still doing functional fitness with us at Softweight. It's just, it's definitely, there's a different tone to what we're putting out, but we're exactly. definitely not like against CrossFit. So right. it's really refreshing to see, um, at John's gym, how there's this, like, there's super high bar, like John expects a lot from his athletes, but he has a really broad umbrella for what kind of athletes he takes. Like there's a lot of people you wouldn't think are high performers that are moving well and, you know, and enjoying fitness at John's gym that aren't going to be in the CrossFit games. Right. And, and that's, uh, you know, and that was some great content I thought we got into last time on our discussion. And and that's really the story we're trying to tell at Suisponte, right? Is what you picked up on right away that a lot of people aren't as perceptive about, you know, you're, you're from, we're from similar communities, you know, similar backgrounds. So you see a guy like me, you know, and you're like, okay. And then you're like, uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go say hello. So after the blood not, flow returns to my brain, <laughs> after after it leaves my dick yeah. and goes back to my brain, I'm like I should say hi to that guy. <laughs> yeah. So, that, sorry, go ahead. So, you know, so I, I still remember when we met. Dick, Doug came up with a big smile on his face, like, "Hey, man, you know, nice to meet you, Bella." And I was like, immediately, it was like this dude's like a brother to me. Like, I don't know Doug, but I know Doug. You know, I know many Dougs, and we hit it off right away. And uh, you know, I think you said last time we were actually, "Oh man." You know, dude walks in looking like he's ready to murder everybody. Now he's got a, he's giving me a hug two minutes later, big smile on his face. And that's the story we're trying to tell, man, is that because of my personality and the, and the name and kind of the background, the biggest hurdle we, we face as far as bringing people into our community to Esponte is they look at that. And even now to this day, um, you know, the reputation is, oh, that you only go there if you're trying to be a, a serious exerciser. You know, yeah. That's where, that's where like the <laughs> there, really Dude, there's some serious exercises in your are. gym, bro. They're almost, are. almost like you have to be in shape in order to go to the exactly. gym. Exactly. That's what we fight, that intimidation factor. Not just, and you know, and, and in reality, we do have some pretty competitive. We're one of, if not the most competitive gym in the area, you know, but on top of that, my mom, my mom's there, granny's there, plenty of overweight, out of shape. I mean, that's who it's really for, right? And that's, uh. We're trying to, we know that anybody that I feel like meets me like, like Doug did, or anybody that certainly comes in those side of those four walls, they get that part of the story 
within minutes of being there. But the trick is getting them in there. So anyway, I really appreciate this forum and you guys having me on yeah. a chance to get that well, story out. Well, I think it's, it's really easy to assume. And even you know the last office that I worked in was in Durham. Uh, there were a bunch of guys that I worked with that you know were members at CrossFit 919, mm-hmm. um, another good good gym in the mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Um, but their impression, which was just an assumption, Right. Not based on anything they'd heard from other people. Right. You know, it was like Suspante is the place you go when you've like really made it yeah. to like the upper echelons. Yeah. Um, when, when your traps have traps, yeah. Suspante. Yeah, but the the assumption was that unless you were already awesome, sure. you know, like you wouldn't go to work out at that gym, exactly. or you might not be welcome. Exactly. Uh, and really, that's just something that people are making up in their own mind, sure. and right? which like is completely understandable, right? I mean, like Doug said, you, you see a dude like me. See, dude, like any of us, you know, your first assumption is to be like, "Oh man, that that guy's pretty serious, or doesn't fuck around, or is it?" And we sure. And in our own right, we you know we we aren't the t- we're not the first people you're going to want to fight, right? But hey, man, I don't know. I met Doug for the first time, and I didn't. I don't think I felt any of those. Things. <laughs> no, I was I was pretty comfortable right off the bat. <laughs> I would like to point out that my strength is bringing you bringing you to a comfort point. All right, like, I'm not I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to be like, you know what, man? Like you're you're going to be done with me, and you're going to be like, I'm either going to have to murder that dude in his sleep, <laughs> or alternately, I. I wish he'd married my sister. It's, like, it's a really high or really low opinion. Though, that's, you know? that, that's that green beret, though. Yeah. That's that mental side. Yeah. I just I want to say that like the big thing is like no matter how intimidating you might be, like right up just at, at a look, or even any of the guys that are training in your gym or, or females, man. Mm-hmm. Jordan is a beast. Like yeah. if I come into the gym one day and I'm like, yes, dude, I was like five seconds behind Jordan on a workout, I would view that as a successful day. Absolutely. So as would I. <laughs> I do not think I'm ever going to beat her at anything physical. Yeah. You know, she's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But I think the reason that people assume that, that there are those assumptions, you know, have to be already awesome to go to your gym is the fact that in a lot of places there is that culture. Right. And one of the things we talked about last time is the fact that, you know, the first time we showed up to your gym, Everyone there was super welcoming, mm-hmm. you know, and there was there was no pretense uh, There was no like what are these guys doing or sure. you know any type of weird looks or anything that wasn't basically anything but super friendly, right? Awesome. Yeah. Um, and being able to establish and hold that culture at the same time, you know be super competitive and try and you know maintain mm-hmm. an elite attitude at least you know, on the even on the individual basis mm-hmm. of you know, like you were saying, yeah. push as hard as you can. We expect everyone to do their best, um, and also we are trying to comp- you know develop athletes that actually do compete in the games. Sure. Um, to to manage both of those things, I think is really tricky, and yeah. it's, you know speaks volumes to the culture that you've developed at the gym. I, I really appreciate, um, I appreciate it, and that's music to my ears because as you touched on, like. That doesn't just happen, right? That takes conscious, yeah, effort, conscious so effort. Conscious effort. What are thought. you doing to, you know, what did you do to develop that, and what are you doing to maintain that? You know, especially as you have new members come in, make sure that yeah. that culture doesn't get poisoned. That's a great. That's a great question. So, developing it already there was, you know, that that was my natural personality, right? Is that anybody that walked in the gym, one, one of if not the first question I asked them when they want to sign up is, what What is your goal, right? And the reality is, all, all truth be told, I had a young kid walk in the gym. Day one before the gym was even open, I was doing intros out in the park, right? Didn't even have a space yet. Was signing motherfuckers up in the park. And the kid was 17 years old and, you know, you know, 165 pounds, had a huge motor. He's like, I, I want to go to the games. That's what's up. Let's do it. You know, fast, fast forward, um, you know, fast forward uh, four or five years later, he's one, you know, he was one of the 
uh, top 10 regionals athletes. That's not Nate, you know? is it? Yeah, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> That's a go figure, man. My boy. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and, and since some priorities have shifted and, and whatnot, but you know, that was, that was part of the goal. So conversely, you know, people walk in like, you know, I just want to be healthy. I just want to. So our, our contention is, you know, w- we stick to caring and excellence, right? And, and we stick to the kind of f- maintaining the kind of steel and steel environment that is going to facilitate anybody's goal, whether it's a 17 year old kid that wants to go to the games in five years or my mom who's, you know, in her seventies is just trying to stay healthy or, or anybody in between. Right. And the, the trick to that, you know, if, if you don't manage that mentality, it turns very quickly into like the cool kids. Right. So it's a constant reminder, like, Hey, we're, we're all in this together. Our programming is, is, is fits in a way in that the most elite person in the gym is still off the same template and doing the same version as the people in the class and the people in the class, or, you know, the RX plus version, the RX version, but it's still the same shit because we're all humans. Well, you guys are, you guys are pushing a quality of movement. That's not, it's not common as well. Like, because you've been very selective about the coaches you brought in, which is intimidating to some people, they should also understand that like, you have the same unwavering attitude Mm -hmm. towards the people that are, that are teaching movement Mm -hmm. and they're putting quality movement in front of all levels of athletes. Absolutely. And that's something that I learned the hard way. And that's what I tell my coaches now, my younger athletes, you know, especially a lot of the younger guys that want to be competitive are trying to make the same mistakes I made when I first, you know, came, got out of Ranger bat and started CrossFit. The first two years in the CrossFit, I was like, I'm going to the games. And we didn't give a shit how you moved the weight. It was all about faster, more weight, stronger, just get it done. And in the beginning, back, back when, I, when I was competitive, you could get away with it because it was such a smaller group. It was, the, it was still the days of the sectionals, and you could get away with outworking people. You could get away with being stronger and moving like shit and still winning, right? And it's so competitive now. It's such a larger demographic. There's no room for that, which is a great thing because what, what price I ended up paying for that is I got extremely strong through a, not a horrible, but a pretty limited range of motion. You know, I could, I could back squat 500 pounds, I could deadlift 600 pounds, but it wasn't in an optimal range of motion. It wasn't with a complete excellence of movement. And that strength did not translate at all. You know, I went from a 500 to a 600 pound deadlift and my, my clean and snatch stayed exactly where the fuck they were. Cause it wasn't with the proper torso angle, it wasn't with the right muscle activation. And, and I also got to the point getting strong in that range of motion. Luckily it never manifested in a hard line injury which was just pure luck. But there were days, I think it's like we talked about last time we recorded, there were literally days as a grown ass man, I'm trying to put my socks on in the morning to go run my business. And I couldn't get my fucking socks on. Cause every time I bend over my abs cramp or I literally just couldn't achieve that range of motion. I'm sitting there staring at my feet like, man, maybe this is the day I don't wear socks. Cause I can't get them <laughs> on my feet. And you have to look and you have to, you have to look in the mirror and be like, all right, dude, well, this started off as a way to be healthy. CrossFit, all this shit started off as a way to be healthy and do a high quality life. And, and, and be an optimal human being. And now you can stand in one place and deadlift 600 pounds and you can't put on your socks. So let's pump the fucking brakes. Let's focus on, you know. Or, or you can just wear Addy slides. Right. Forever. Well, you yeah, gotta keep, keep the slides around <laughs> for sure. But you know, at that point, that was, that was man almost three or four years ago, really started deconstructing things and going back and, um, you know, get, staying true to the edge of being a jack of all trades and learning that gymnastics and body awareness and ranges of motion you know, the yoga type stuff is just as important piece as just picking up heavy stuff and going fast all the time. Well, and as you talked about earlier, I mean, you went through an extended period of not lifting heavy right, weight, right. at least as far as the deadlift goes, right. you know, and still were able to step onto the platform yep. and fucking crush it. Just matched from- a lifetime PR. Yeah. So I, I pulled 600 pounds after pretty much two years of pretty extensive powerlifting type training and accessories and the whole nine yards. And then 
after I pulled six, that was when I kind of realized, all right, you hit this lifetime goal and what did you really achieve? You move like shit, you feel like shit, you're strong as hell, but that's it, right? I couldn't carry my daughters up the stairs without being in pain. I was like, this is, this is, so from that, I didn't lift over 300 pounds, deadlift over 300 pounds for the next two years. I focused on gymnastics, quality movement. And when I say I focused on it, I, because I had focused so, so severely on strength for so long, I could afford to kind of flip that script and just focus on body weight and gymnastics stuff for literally two years straight. I didn't lift over uh, 300 pounds. Then our buddy Chris opened up a gym outside, um, you know, Southern Pines, and he was one of our competitive athletes. We went down to there, show some support, and he's like, I'm going to throw a one rep max deadlift in, in the events I'm having for the day so you can throw some weight around. I was like, yeah, I'll go down there, and, you know, if I pull anything over 500, that should be good. Uh, show up, Mr. Daniel Skidmore is like, oh, I'm going to lift with you today. Like, oh, of course you are, <laughs> right? So it turns into this battle royale back and forth, and sure as shit, man, I pulled 600 pounds, mass life, matched a lifetime d- PR and changed everything I thought I knew about top end strength in terms of CNS durability and build up and oh well even if you had the muscular contractional force to move the weight your your, your nervous system wouldn't support it and bullshit it was all still right so, there yeah so why do you think you still had that top end strength it's a great question I think the top end strength still was still there because number one the first time I pulled 600 pounds it was with my upper back my movement was so shitty all my legs were doing was, was holding on for dear life not snapping essentially mm-hmm. and if i look when i go back and look at the video the second time i'm getting down i'm recruiting my glutes and my hamstrings and my quads the other half of my fucking body right so my upper back probably wasn't nearly as strong as it was when i did those 600 pounds but I, because i had worked on my movement and my quality movement i just naturally my body naturally recruited those muscles even though that's not how i typically deadlifted because it felt the, like the only way this is going to come up is to engage these muscles so not only did i match a lifetime pr but i have videos of both right because if you didn't video it didn't happen right yep and i have videos of both and not only did i did i match that pr but the second lift two years later without a little bit is smoother it's faster it's a better bar path it doesn't look like i'm fucking breaking my back it's just all around better faster stronger lift so um you know and, and not, that's not to say that so, you know, obviously if I went on another powerlifting cycle through that better range of motion, I could probably deadlift over 600, right? But the point is, is that especially if you're trying to be a competitive athlete, whether it's CrossFit or for a selection in the military or whatever, if you're trying to be competitive, if you're trying to be an optimal athlete, part of that part of a crucial part of that optimization is your quality of movement. Not only in, in terms of just not getting hurt, which is reason enough, but if you're not moving optimally, not only is it just a matter of time before you get hurt, a matter of it when and how badly you get hurt and two you're never going to reach your body's true potential if you're moving through any kind of limited ranges of motion can so, you can you talk to uh, our listeners <clears throat> about how abs are an indication of a poor pattern of movement they actually are <laughs> right john yeah. shit all over my life with that one. <laughs> oh man i hear that having abs is a sign yeah. that you move poorly i yeah. was like over overdeveloped abs it. is actually just because those, those are those are essentially just stabilizers right so they're not supposed to be like primary movers and developed and popping out of your your skin you know <sighs> So, the, you know, the, all those athletes with super developed abs. Yeah, it's like yeah. John was like, yeah, man, if, if you hold on to your abs at like 14% body fat, it's probably an indication of poor. I'm like, uh. <laughs> John is clearly talking to me right, right. now. But that's what, I, that's what I loved about working with you guys and talking to you guys right off the bat. You know, our philosophies are so similar in that, you know, treat the, str- the strength seriously, some type of linear progression. There's a science behind it. Do metcons that make sense. And, and, and pay attention to still being able to run, still being able to swim, still being able to get outside your comfort zone and be an athlete in any situation. You know, because there's, there's two ways to do it. There's the hard way, like me, like focus on nothing but strength for three or four years to the point that you have to fucking stop all the strength stuff just to have time and room to unfuck yourself and focus on movement for two years. And then 
you know, now I'm, I'm actually at a point where I'm getting back to a, a pr- close, much closer to an optimal level, but I did it all the way one way, let the bottom fall out and let it all the way. It's much more conducive than what we've, we've tried to evolve to as Suspante is addressing the whole package the whole time, every single day. So you're not going to get as fast results in any one domain, but you're a more complete package, which is a healthier, more natural, less injury prone path in the first place. And, you know, then it's just a matter of apples and oranges, which one's going to get you there faster. But what are the challenges that you face or how do you how do you tackle the challenges as a coach? You're going back and saying, hey, we have this huge range of athletes Mm -hmm. in terms of kind of ability. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how are you able to have a class with a really wide range or, you know, are you breaking it up into different classes? Uh, We're able to help people that are beginners with range range of motion teaching movements, et cetera, yet still give your high-level athletes mm-hmm. the attention that they need yeah. to kind of help, you know, continue to tweak that last bit that could be the difference between, you know, placing on the podium, you know, going to the games, making right. that next level or not. Right. That's a, that's a great question. So we, we essentially have three levels of, of programming blended into the, the daily work, right? So there's the comp team level that Hunter and Jordan and maybe a few other athletes are at, right? Um, and, and those guys... The only way you can you can get to the point where so those guys have twenty four access to the gym they have they have keys um, you know uh, they have access to all all of our our uh, our coaching resources in terms of video watching videos and you know because they're they're going in there they're doing two to three hours of work every single day and like you guys experienced you know like we talked about last time when you come in they're working with a purpose and you know they're having some fun but they're and they're a, also like I I want to just coming like the the participation from your membership is really awesome too yeah. in the sense that like it's very apparent that they are following their own programming like they, they are our focused athletes right but they're paying attention to what's going on around them as right. well and like they engage they're not like sharpshooters like there's a lot of gyms especially across the gyms where you roll in and like every member thinks they're a coach right and like somebody comes in and then they're like soup sandwich and yeah. and like Everybody's like, hey, man, you should do this. You should do that. Yeah. Like, get over the bar more. They're get getting, further, Pull the bar further back. Like 12 different cues yeah, in four different directions. Exactly. Live Facebook yeah. comments. Oh, my yeah. God, dude. Like, yeah. e-coaching is almost as good as most CrossFit right. gyms where you're like, right. have, have you tried TRT? <laughs> and it's like, have you tried keto? Like, I'm just like, hey, man, uh, shut the fuck up, right? Yeah. But like, shut, shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're, uh, you're the people that you have that are your competitive athletes are, are functioning doubly mm-hmm. as like really helpful coaches right. in that. I mean, they, they watch other people working out and they don't like go over there and just like sharpshoot what's going on. They wait for them to be done and then they will go give a constructive cue yeah. and then leave them alone again. You yeah. know, like, Hey man, m- maybe try this. And yeah. then they'll watch while they're doing other stuff just to see if it took and, yeah. and, you know, keep doing their own work. It's, it's a good environment, man. I appreciate it, man. It's music to my ears because we, we work a lot on that. And one of the, one of the reasons, one of the ways we filter that, um, you know, because I know you go into a lot of CrossFit gyms and I've been, been a part of gyms where it's like a natural progression is a few people start doing the competitive programming. And the next thing you know, you got three or four other people, five or six other, like, I want to do that too because more is better. Well, I just had a conversation with a, a crew of my dudes at the Raleigh gym, great guys that wanted more. It's like, all right, we're going to try it out, right? Like you're kind of on the cusp of, you know, want to be a more competitive athlete. You're going to, I'm telling you, it's more intensity, it's more volume, and we'll see how it goes. And, um, you know, it, it didn't take. And because one of the, the thing, the, other than just, you know, the level that they're at as far as athletes like Hunter and Jordan, it's, the, it's, two, it's twofold. It's their understanding of the sport 
they go into every session, whether it's strength or gymnastics, or they understand what they're trying, the stimulus they're trying to achieve from that session. And they move pretty damn well, right? And they understand what good movement feels like, what it looks like, they're coaching each other through it, right? So I'm not worried about them hurting themselves with, with that extra volume and intensity. So these, you know, this other group of guys start doing it and they're not moving horrible, but they're not moving optimally, you know, and they're, well, and, and I'm they're getting through the work, but there's, you know, anyway. Yeah. So after a few months, you, you, as the coach, you know, it's easier to just ignore it and like, Hey, they're paying members. They're doing their thing. And I was like, Hey guys, can we, can we talk about this? Yeah, sure. What's up? How do you, how do you think this is going? Oh, we think it's going great. You know, well, can, can I share my thoughts? Sure. I don't think it's working. <laughs> well, oh shit. Really? No. Can I tell you why? Yeah. Cause I, 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 I was doing what you guys are doing. I was, I poured volume and intensity on top of pre-existing poor movement patterns and it fucked me up guys. And, and you guys are way younger than me and I don't want you to, I'm telling you this not because I'm a genius and I figured it out, but because I did it the wrong way and I don't want to see you do the same things. And if you already have that rapport, if everybody knows about coach John or coach, whoever, whoever's the one bringing the message, like this person cares about me and my fitness. They're not, they're not saying this because they don't, they, it's inconvenient or because it's, you know, it's easier or they don't like me or they don't want me to be good. You know, they know we believe in them and we want them to be the best. Like I'm telling you right now, you guys, I love the enthusiasm. I love the extra effort. You need to take every ounce of that outside the class and pour it into your gymnastics and your mobility until you can fully lock out it, you know, until you can move optimally. Cause even for my, even for the competitive athletes, even the Nates, the Jordans, the regional level and above athletes, uh, certainly games athletes, I tell them all when, when they're, before they start that, that level of programming, like you understand when you start this level of programming, you are leaving the realm of training for quality of life and optimal health. And you're entering, entering a realm of training for juicing the most out of your body you know, squeezing the most potential are out we, of your body. Are we, are we still doing phrasing? <laughs> I feel like I, I was feel, waiting for that. I feel like the International Doping Committee is like, Wait, like he said it. Yeah, he's <laughs> on the on the Die Living podcast. <laughs> phrasing. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you know, they're trying to squeeze the most potential out of their body over for the next few years, and I make it clear, and that's fine if you want that. Just understand when you're my age. You know, I'm 37. When you get older, you're going to pay the price, just like you know in the communities we were in in the military. You know, your, your body's going to pay the price for the abuse you put it through, and I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I'm paying that price now, but it was a, it was a it was a price I I pay again tenfold. But you say know that, that up front. It's, that's like the biggest exaggeration. Like, hey uh, guys, I'm in my 30s and I'm fitter than anyone I know <laughs> in my age bracket. I'm yeah. just not as fit as the 20 somethings that right. I train. Right. What a price to pay. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I got I got some back issues, and you know, my neck doesn't bend from jumping, doing awesome static line jumps. And you sound like such a dependent right now. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you, John. Nothing wrong. But I'm just saying, you know, it's. For, it, for the sake of your VA disability rating, is that what, is that what this <laughs> I never even I never even turned that shit in, man. I skipped that whole thing. Yeah, I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, there's like 99% of our listening body would trade whatever debilitating injury you suffer from yeah. for your physical ability. <laughs> right. Doctor says I need a bacchiotomy. <laughs> Could you break me like John Dill got broken? <laughs> Just that same way. No, I appreciate it. But, you know, the point is when you're training at that level, it's, it's, it's for a sport. It's for a performance. It's not, yep. you know, so, you know, our contention is after that level, the very next level is, is the class and it's going to include a gymnastics and or strength portion and a metabolic conditioning. And, and that is just like you guys, we get scientific about that being as much as you need to train optimally for quality, quality of life. Right. And so within that, everybody does that in the same class and people can make the choice based on what their strengths are to go RX, RX plus. And our contention is if you're doing a sua sponte workout of the day at the RX plus, we follow the, the, um, the outlaw programming template that I've been a part was the gym I was a part of from the beginning. But if you, if you're doing that RX plus, you're a locally competitive athlete, 
right? Like you're at a high level. If you're doing our RX workout, you're, you can go into any gym anywhere in the world and RX a workout. I mean, it's high level shit. And it's what we've discovered is uh, um, and a mistake. I think a lot of gyms out there that kind of gives CrossFit that bad name. Um, people will rise to what, to the level you expect them to. Right. And a lot of, a lot of gym owners, a lot of coaches, you know, especially when if they're new to it or not, not, not as much experience to it, it's very tempting to do that. Right. You see your people, you're like, we're going to hurt them. We're going to break them. Let's write the programming down to where they're already at. Well, then that's right where they'll fucking stay, right? If you, if you, if you write it to where you think they could be, that people will shock the shit out of you and what they, they can achieve. Now, it's your job to be an absolute Nazi when it comes to their quality of movement and their ranges of motion and how they're going about doing that. And so all our coaches are extensively, extensively experienced on, on, the, on how to scale in a way that's going to keep them safe and just as importantly scale in a way that's, that's building the capacity to, to do that workout at the RX version, right? No, that's, that's so key. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, talking about people rising to the level that you, you set expectations. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, we had uh, a gym that we knew that, like, a bunch of athletes started getting robbed of. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, Brent and Bill looked at the programming, and they were like, man, like, this is really a lot of volume. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, well, that's, that's the warm-up for the workout. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy shit, like, this is too much. Right. You know, that's like not even no shit. Like, there's no you know no surprise that all your guys are getting hurt. Right, you know, it can't just be volume on top of volume. Right, because unfortunately, especially in the CrossFit community, if you're dealing with a coach or a programmer that's not experienced, what are they going to default to? Let's just make it so fucking hard. They think it's awesome. Yeah, well, and well, I think right. we're seeing a backlash against that whole you know like like puking's acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't have to be really no. shitty, right? Wait, you can train. Uh, there's yeah. a difference between working not hard. Acceptable? Right. <laughs> no, there's a difference. This might being, be acceptable. It's not optimal, right? Yeah, <laughs> working hard and just being hard for right. no reason. I just right. want my body to reject that weakness. Right. right. It's like if I have to throw up, I feel like that's a, that's the standard. Yeah. Like well, you know, and I, I, you know, once a month or so, I think a long hero, more hero type workout, something that really pushes you mentally is good. Just to remind yourself you can take it there. But doing that shit week in or week out, yep. or certainly day in and day out, you're just beating the shit. Out. You know. It's like, you know, the schools of thought in the military, you know, you have those like, well, we're going we're gonna to kick ourselves in the nuts. Well, you, you don't get better at getting kicked in the nuts. Do you nuts, know how right? we prepare for a 12-mile road march? A 50-mile road march. <laughs> <laughs> Double the standard, and yeah. that's what you're training right. for. No, you don't get better at getting kicked in the nuts. Yeah. It still I mean, sucks every You time. suck at running? Don't worry. We're going to do it every day until you're better. And right. then it's like, why am I still fat? Because <laughs> your body is like, fuck you. Right, stop it. Yeah. And that's what uh, I like how our pro, you know, if you look at our programs, you know, they're, they're far more alike than they are different. And the main difference is what it should be in that you're, you're writing programming for a specific type of athlete with a specific goal in terms of either preparing themselves more for a combat situation or role they're already in or preparing themselves to, to make it through that said selection. Um, you know, it's, it's a more specific skill. Do those, do those guys need to be worried about walking on their fucking hands or doing gymnastics tricks on rings? No. You know, and that we, we devote a fair amount of time to that. There you part have of our it. Sport. Yeah. No, Tactic, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Tactical yeah. athletes do not need to do stupid party tricks. So <laughs> on that note, just because I'm unfamiliar, but can you talk a little bit about your, your coaching education background and where you're kind of getting your methodology from? Sure. I know you'd mentioned Outlaw, which mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure runs their own yeah. certs. Um, um, we, we did our own seminars for quite a while. We, you can't, can't use the cert word because... CrossFit HQ. True, yeah. right, yeah. But we did our own seminars for a while. That kind of that kind of fell uh, fell off. Um, it's uh, you know, but so I got my start at Outlaw with a, with a guy named Rudy Nielsen, who's an excellent coach, excellent programmer. Learned a lot from him as far as the, the sport of CrossFit. 
Um, I did a powerlifting cert up with the, the Westside Barbell guys. Okay. Uh, I have my USAW level two certification through the USAW. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like, you know, so, so there's the level one spurts performance. I think they call it the national level coach. Yeah. So I'm a level two, two there. Um, my, like I said, my BS in, in, in college was in biology, which I had no idea would be applicable at the time, but the physiology and the anatomy behind that is obviously pretty useful. And, um, you know, other, other than that, um, you know, it's, it's mostly just been self-taught stuff. Okay. And, and like I said, just, and that's, that was first, that's the first thing I tell my younger guys is like, hey, you know how I know what you're doing isn't going to work? Because I tried it the same fucking way mm-hmm. and it didn't work. You know, so learn from that, you know, not because I'm a genius and I cracked the code. Turns out the science behind this and the, and the body mechanics and the physics behind this weightlifting and these movements, it's not rocket science. You know, there, is some, there are some nuances to it, but there's plenty of people out there that understand it. You know, it's just a matter of staying dedicated to that because it's easy to walk by somebody that's fucking something up. Right. It's easier to just be like, yeah, are they going to hurt themselves right now? Probably not. And just keep moving as a coach. But and I think that's what, you, you know, that's why it's music in my ears that you guys picked on. You know, myself, my coaches, and even our, even our, our, our daily athletes, you know, we pride ourselves on, on, on that environment and people are there. I, I could care less about your actual physical condition. I care way more about the mentality that people are walking in there with every day in terms of are they dedicated to getting better and, and doing it the right way, you know? And it t- takes a constant reminder, especially with the CrossFit, you know, there's that, it's a double-edged sword. It's a, such a competitive atmosphere and people are so attached to scores and numbers. It's like, okay, but but what did your movement look like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, did you sacrifice movement and, and, and int- integrity of, of your range of motion for a, a better ambiguous, some ambiguous score that goes on a board or in some system? You know, because you know, because that's a that's a dangerous mentality that's easy to fall into. That I was in for a while, and that a lot of athletes, you know, when it was, you know, and um, I think that's why you see a lot of washout in CrossFit, right? There's like what the standard progression is like: first year CrossFit, I'm going to the games, and then by the end of the second year, it's like this is bullshit. I'm going to be a weightlifter, you know. <laughs> so yes, and then you know, and, and I, I kind of went down that that role with the powerlifting, and then only to come back full circle to like, man, back to where I started, like, dude, being a fully functional, well-rounded. Yes, I can pick up heavy shit. Yes, I can swim. Yes, I can run. You know, we, we, we run every day, even if it's just the 400 meters in the warm-up. Mm-hmm. And um, there, was a, there was a while, there was a period of time where a lot of our members, you know, started rowing or just not even doing it. And, you know, so we, we had to have some, some individual heart-to-hearts. And it was like, hey, yeah. guys, running is a basic human physical right. skill, maybe the most basic. Right? Yeah, and so. I, I think that's pretty key to you because I know in a lot of the gyms that I've been at, especially in the military, is that guys absolutely hate to work right. on their weaknesses because right. first you have to admit that you have them. Right. And then and then you just suffer through getting better at something that you're just so bad at. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. one of the main reasons to have a coach or have someone else do your programming. Yeah. You know, right. we see all the time guys are like, ah, why would I pay for this when mm-hmm. I can just do it myself? And you're not you know, going to do it yourself. Well, and if you are going to do it, and I had this experience firsthand, you know, when I first opened the gym, I start, I was doing my own training with my own programming between classes. And I'm, I'm a pretty disciplined dude when it comes to at least that kind of shit. Right. But same thing when I was left to my own devices, I still trained, but I focused on what I was already good at. Mm-hmm. Cause I got that positive reinforcement. I got those endorphins. I got that pat on the back. I ignored the shit I needed to be working on. And there was no accountability for it. Cause there wasn't anybody around me right. to call me out on range of motion to say, Hey John, cool, you did a, you did a, you know, you, you deadlifted 405 for 20 reps today on Unbroken Set. Pretty awesome. You got a video of it to put on, on the social media and so everybody can tell you how awesome you are. You didn't stretch, much less do any kind of real mobility work. You didn't do any fucking gymnastics. You didn't run. You just, you know, you know what I mean? So 
I, I threw myself, I train with the classes now, with the 6 p.m. class, I'm there. Because if I'm not squatting, I had a, I had a coach in the middle of a workout, and I love this, in the middle of a fucking workout that we were both doing, I wasn't getting to depth on some thrusters. In the middle of workout, he walks across the gym and goes, you know, to me, you know, what? somewhat imposing the person. Boss. Right. <laughs> in the middle, you know, I got like the, and he walks up, he's like, hey, he's like, just so you know, none of those reps that you just did counted. And I was like, fucking Roger that. You starting right. over, you know. You do you realize go. that he's sat around <laughs> waiting for that moment for like for a very right. long time. Like, I've been trying to kick was, John Slacken. Was he Facebook Live? You know the event. Like, Check right, it I'm, out. I'm about to go up to John Dill. Yeah. <laughs> you guys don't get it. But um, you know that that accountability and that having those people around you that are dedicated to that. Um, you know, that's that's what makes it work. It's, it's got to be bigger than any any one person. You know, but that's why it's music majors. When you guys come in, it's like they were. You know, my people and my athletes were generally stoked to be around guys like you. Like, hey, these guys are passionate about what they do. We're all into the same shit. And like you like you pointed out last time, Doug, you guys did a completely different workout and did completely, But everybody everybody's digging. It. Nobody was over there questioning. Well, why are you why are you doing that? No, it was Shouldn't, cool, man. Yeah, so. we can't wait to come back. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got to wrap it up right, right now, but I guarantee that we will do this again. Yeah, this is awesome. So, John, can you tell everyone where they can find you and, and follow you? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we got an Instagram account, CrossFit Suisponte. My personal account is John John one five J O H N J O H N one five. We're on the Book of Faces as well. Our physical locations are on Highway fifty four West in South Point Durham, just behind uh, South Point Mall there, and in North Raleigh, off Falls in the News Road and uh, Falls Village Shopping Center. Uh, just behind the Chick-fil-A across the street from Northridge Country Club. So any and all welcome. Just just bring a an attitude and some goals, and that's all we ask. John Dill, thanks for joining us. We really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Softly Die Living podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode with John Dill from CrossFit Suisponte in Raleigh and Durham, North Carolina. Join us next week when we interview Brooke West, the new registered dietitian at Softly.